At no other time in the history of humanity are we exposed to so much information around the world, causing overload for the mind. There is so much thought happening and getting in the way of experience and connecting to life and each other. In this episode of Wisdom Talks, John Barter reflects on why reducing and pausing thoughts and the right use of thoughts are so important for us. Our uh, reflections continue with the uh, sets of four numerical collections where uh, I had thought that I'd uh, finished looking at um, these uh, sets of four, uh, especially of the the Buddhist teachings, teachings that uh, relate to uh, four ways of practice or four particular appreciations or four particular elements to consider, ponder. Then uh, last week uh, I brought in another set of four that were more about something that I'd put together myself with regards to uh, the nature of the self, the nature of the egoic I-self, four different parts of that, four different levels of that that um, are used to engage and relate into life from. Those being the um, fundamental values, so the values that our self, the self has, our values, then our virtues, and then particular views on things, and then also vision, our vision leading into the future. So very much related to this uh, identity, this ego identity of self. But um, I thought that uh, that was about it until I was uh, looking back on uh, some notes that I have, part of uh, a book that I'm putting together on reflections, wiser points and ponderings. And I found another set of four that actually I uh, had put together last year, which I think I might have mentioned last year as well. And so I thought to uh, remind or recap her on, on this particular set of four, especially for those that uh, weren't here last year on that particular session. So these are the four miracles, the four miracles. So the, uh, the first miracle is the miracle of life. And not just that um, uh, the birth of a baby, which often is seen as a miracle, like, wow, the miracle of life. A baby is born. But even prior to that, the miracle of life existing itself. The fact that um, life exists on this planet. The fact that uh, we have life on this planet. How amazing is that? Something which uh, we so often take for granted, that uh, that there is life on this planet because... (coughs) Probably for a longer time, there wasn't life on this planet. Did anyone see uh, the uh, program? I think it might have been uh, Monday <coughs> night, Brian Cox, Tuesday night, the quantum planet, or um, it was to do with um, time and space. And um, so Brian Cox, that um, English chap with the big teeth and the big grin, uh, <laughs> always looks happy. <laughs> But uh, he was uh, speaking, uh, certainly in his wonderful way of doing so, with the great uh, imagery on this TV program um, and showing how the the Earth, the Earth 
as as we know it now certainly wasn't like that and how it uh, came together from some exploded star that these molten bits of uh, huge rock hurling through the universe at um, enormous speed uh, unimaginable speed and then crashing together and and melding molten lava together even that sense of these large rocks coming together to then create the the um, uh, plates that um, that form the the earth and the earth obviously still molten at the center it hasn't cooled down from that initial coming together and that um, and spinning spinning in space and uh, from a, a rather lumpy obscure type of object becoming rounder and rounder and rounder and continuing to spin and um, now, millions of years go by, and he said that um, uh, what uh, what has led partly to life on the planet now was a huge collision that occurred, where um, this collision of some other huge lump of rock, some other planet, which uh, actually uh, pushed the Earth off its axis, so it was actually spinning straight, but pushed it so much in, with the collision that it now its axis is at a, at a certain angle that it spins. And because of that, and then circumambulating around the, the sun, it creates, creates this uh, situation where there's different, diff different times of the year where there's different temperature, uh, which also allows gases to cool into moisture and into moisture that then allows uh, a whole process of life to, to occur, which obviously has over a long period of time, but the fact that there is now life on this planet is something something quite amazing. And the fact that life continues on this planet is amazing. Uh, and the fact that we we continue to live on this planet's also pretty amazing and, and quite a miracle. He um, was talking about how fast the planet's going. You think, my goodness, is it going that fast? Which is uh, 110,000 kilometers in an hour. That's how fast our planet is moving through space. 110,000 kilometers an hour. <laughs> and you don't feel dizzy? <laughs> but maybe that's why if you lose your balance, you fall backwards. <laughs> so it's going very fast at a distance of... Um, it's 150 million kilometers from the sun. Um, and that does alter depending upon uh, whereabouts it is in its uh, uh, movement around the sun. But on average, it's uh, about 150 million kilometers from the sun, traveling at 110,000 kilometers through space. And uh, if you saw that program, it was amazing because um, uh, he got in the latest jet airplane. It's, it's a very secret jet airplane. It's, uh, they, aren't, they weren't able to show certain parts of it because it's all top secret, because it can go so fast. And they actually went faster than the Earth is moving. So the plane must have gone faster than 110,000 kilometers an hour. And so the sun actually started to come up because uh, the sun goes down because the Earth is moving. But they were going so fast in the plane that the sun actually looked like it was coming back up again. So the fact that life exists on this planet and that we are alive is the first miracle. It's amazing. And especially miracle, the miracle of uh, 
a human birth. The Buddha said two and a half thousand years ago that that life, uh, certainly as a human being, is something very, very precious, something that's uh, very much uh, to be appreciated because he said of all the other um, life forms that that the mind, consciousness, that life energy could be reborn as, to be reborn as a human being or born as a human being is profound. He said something like, um, imagine that there is um, in the great ocean, floating somewhere in the great ocean, a wooden plank with a hole in it, just big enough for a, a turtle to put its head through, and that uh, something like, Every, every year on a certain full moon, that turtle somewhere in the great ocean pokes its head up. The chances that it's going to poke its head up and actually go through that plank of wood that could be anywhere, that's how rare it is, uh, the chances of being born as a human being as opposed to some other creature on the planet. It's like, wow. And... The Buddha was pointing out the importance of then using, using our human life for realizing truth, realizing reality, because um, um, it's the best, the best life form, best existence to be able to realize reality. And especially because of the second miracle. So the second miracle is that we can think. So firstly, that there is life and that we have life, but secondly, that we can think. How amazing. And of course, there are other creatures on the planet that have some type of um, um, pseudo type of thought, but not in the, not in the same way that uh, human beings can think. Think in words, think in language, in a way that um, is quite, uh, quite remarkable, quite... Uh, supreme in terms of the the animal kingdom and and certainly then to use thought because um, we do use thought in an amazing way so so the second miracle is that we can think uh, but uh, that's not enough because then the third miracle is that we can think rightly because uh, sure we can think we have a brain that can think but there's uh, certainly the possibility and probably for a lot of people to think that think thoughts that maybe are disordered, um, distressing, unhelpful, confusing mm. thoughts, thoughts that basically are a waste of time. And so that uh, the fact that um, we actually can think rightly, the right use of thought is also a miracle in itself. And this the Buddha pointed out as the second of the path factors, the uh, second practice factor or path factor on the eightfold path of conscious living is Sama Sankapa. So right thought, the right wholesome, skillful use of thought. Because it's very easy to, to uh, engage into wrong thought or unskillful thought or, or uh, thought that's not particularly helpful at all. And... Um, Certainly as human beings, we probably spend a lot of time thinking about um, the wrong thing at the wrong time, at the wrong place, to the wrong degree. But the fact is that we can. We can actually use thought skillfully to think about the right things at the right time, at the right place, to the right degree. And it's not just about having good, wholesome thoughts, but actually when to have them 
and at what place to have them and to what degree to think them, that becomes important to the right skillful use of thought because we also can appreciate that uh, uh, thought and certainly unskillful thought can get us into a lot of trouble. Thought can be a, a source of great stress. Thinking, you know, um, um, thinking things that maybe uh, are not particularly helpful. Thought getting in the way of actually a clear, correct, um, direct perception of things. Um, overthinking, overthinking things to the point where that we just wear ourselves out. Thoughts that feed into and fuel anxiety, distress, uh, depression, overwhelm. So all sorts of um, issues, illnesses, um, certainly mental health issues that are a result of the wrong use, the misuse of this amazing miracle of thought. This then becomes the possibility of the fourth miracle, which as you probably thought <laughs> or guessed, is the miracle of no thought. So yes, a miracle that we can think, but also a miracle that we can actually stop thought. Even though you might think, well, oh, that's, is that, is, that, is that a fact? Can you really stop thinking? We can. <laughs> you may have had a few moments, <laughs> hopefully more than a few moments, maybe a few minutes, maybe 30 minutes of meditation. No thought, just awareness. So yes, the possibility of, of no thought as, as a miracle because uh, very easy to get into thinking once it started. It can't, you know, it's it very difficult to find it to stop. Uh, certainly people talk to me about the fact that they, they, uh, they can't stop thinking. The thinking just goes on and on and on and on, uh, often the point where, where they can't sleep. So they wake up thinking, they, they spend the day thinking, they go to bed thinking, they sleep thinking. The thinking actually wakes them up in the middle of the night, can't get back to sleep, or they do get back to sleep, but then they, they wake up thinking again. So, wow, gosh. So the important uh, point here is to appreciate, yes, there is the possibility of, of, yes, pausing or stopping thinking and having no thought. And what that allows is something quite amazing, quite profound. Because when the mind stops engaging this particular activity, then it means the filters, the filters that thought creates in terms of particular perceptions, they, they fall away. And there's just more of a clear knowing, conscious knowing, neutral knowing, a clear, correct, direct perception of reality as it is uh, prior to, to thought that becomes a limiting factor. And especially... Especially, this is where meditation becomes uh, um, important and very, very powerful. The most profound meditations is meditation that, especially focusing on one thing, such as the breath, which requires no thought, but that allows the, uh, the mind to take a break from thinking. Not going to sleep, but just no thought, because when there's no thought, then there's no thought about, um, about me. Most thought is, is about me in some way something which uh, about you know, what I like, what I don't like, what I did, what I will do, what I won't do, etc. Or my friends or something that's to do with some, me in some way. So when thought stops, 
When thought stops, so does the thinking that creates the self stops. And when self stops, then yes, there can be still, okay, bodies here, brains functioning, minds happening, but there's just mindful knowing. And then all the stress or issues or ideas <clears throat> that uh, thinking and self create, they're not happening. There's just pure knowing. And also no time. Suddenly there is the timelessness. The timelessness, um, the no time that the Buddha spoke about as, as uh, one of the uh, synonyms for nirvana or enlightenment. The uh, amata or amara, the, uh, the deathless or the timeless. Akaliko, not a matter of time. Because time is always mentally made. Because the only time there always is is just now, which in a way is no time. But uh, thinking creates this idea of uh, someone thinking, me in time, what I did, what I'm going to do, what I will do, etc. So suddenly there's time. But uh, when that's not happening, there's just ongoing now. No time, no one. Peace. Peace beyond, beyond the self. And whilst uh, it's important to for the mind to have a self, that's why, that's why there is a self, to be used and engaged skillfully. But when there is no thought, then that allows a possibility of seeing how much the self is made out of thinking, the particular thoughts the mind identifies with and creates identity out of as this uh, relational tool into life. And um, the possibility of seeing that, uh, even seeing some of the fundamental mental set, mindset or schema that the thought is within. So all my thoughts are within a certain context of I am a this sort of a person or that's possible for me but not that. So that is apprehended in a more conscious way. The, the domains that, that thinking happens through that creates a sense of identity. This is me, this is who I am. And also the possibility that then uh, that can be modified, the mind can modify those thoughts to create a new, modified, maybe enhanced self. So this is where an upgraded self, an enhanced self, can, can occur. So we can go for the next um, uh, revision or model. Don't settle for an iPhone 5. You know, go for upgrades. You can still download it onto the same body. I did it last, last week with mine. Upgraded from iPhone, whatever, to the next one. Just download the... And there it was. Same body, or relatively the same, but upgraded. And so this iPhone for this phonic relating, connecting, um, as a I-self, gets modified, enhanced. And that's one for psychology to uh, look into. <laughs> um, but... Uh, in this, in this context, then, certainly to uh, as well see that when I stop, then the suffering stops. And when the suffering stops, uh, then there's peace. When, the, when there's peace, there's, there's uh, the ending, the ending of this, this seeking and this searching and this hunger that's there, at least for a little while. 
or at least seeing that that um, if it stopped for a little while then it maybe can stop more so the possibility the miracle of no thought is something quite quite important and uh, many or much of the Buddha's teachings and um, often spiritual insights that people might have that various teachers might have had uh, are often about the mind stopping that activity of thinking and a whole different perception is is revealed reality is revealed not realized because realized means like there's someone that's realized it but more revealed and um, life changes after that the perception of life changes so these four miracles become uh, important to uh, appreciate the miracle of life the miracle of the possibility of thought or thinking the miracle of uh, right thought right thinking and then also the miracle of uh, no thought and what that can lead to so I certainly uh, encourage you to reflect upon these and then to engage them especially the possibility of meditation for no thought so do you have any thoughts about that <laughs> Any questions? So I get the concept of no thought. It might be a bit rhetorical. Where does thought actually come from? What? We obviously all have thoughts, but I've often wondered what's actually not scientifically mm, mm. my brain, but what's actually generating the neurons in your brain? <laughs> well, certainly there's. Um, um, conditioning, conditioning, like apart from, okay, body, um, the senses, um, sensory experience, and the brain then um, uh, sensing a certain sensory experience, and then the mental faculty, which, part of, which is part of the brain, that then has some thoughts to, to actually name what that might be. And and thoughts for us as human beings happen as a mental sight or a mental sound. So we hear a thought, which is generally a voice, our voice, sometimes someone else's voice in our mind, or we see it as a mental image. So fundamentally, it's it's as you as you said, it's neurons, it's neurons firing up, uh, creating creating that. It's a bit like uh, have a thought. Why not? Where did that Yeah. Yeah, well, it certainly comes from uh, all the conditionings, like where do dreams come from? Well, it's this information that's been absorbed during the day or during the week or during the lifetime, and there's, um, there's um, um, memory, so images come up and ideas come up and fire up. So it's basically physiological. So physiological, that gets translated into biochemical, electrical impulses that then create these images. And, and certainly science is um, um, paralleling this with, um, with computers and digital um, technology. So it's very much, very much the same. But psychologically, these thoughts come from information that we've collected during the day. In order to have right thought, do you have to have a conscience? And are there some people that don't have conscience? Well, 
there, there certainly might be because there's all, all sorts of people, but um, there's also uh, variations of a conscience. So there's this consciousness, which is a result of a brain, but there's also a conscience, which is more of that moral, ethical underpinnings, which, which varies uh, from person to person, from uh, culture to culture, from um, age to age, and so forth. So it does, it does vary, but um, we could take as a bit of a, a template what is right thought, because there is variations, it is quite relative, but thought that uh, ultimately is helpful for the, the wholesome, healthy living of the individual and for those that the individual connects with. So if we find that um, we're using thought or thought is being used and it's causing a stress, then could probably be maybe the unskillful use of thought into worry or anxiety or um, sort of compulsive phobias and so forth that relate to overthinking, wrong thinking. Do they know if animals have thoughts? Well, they have sort of, um, as far as I know, it's sort of pseudo thoughts, but because they don't have uh, the same type of language that we do, like we have um, um, we've, we've, uh, quite a vast constructed language. Uh, animals have language, but not in the words that we do, where we can actually create sentences and, and, and the spell words, sentences and punctuation and so forth. So um, of a sort of a lesser nature than, than human beings. Therefore, Therefore, their, certainly their brain physiologically isn't as complex as a human brain, but, um, and therefore they're, they're more acting from conditioning and instinct um, and also impulses, the basic survival impulses, but also they don't have the, the complications of, uh, that humans, humans have because of thought especially in terms of the, the, higher, the higher emotions beyond the, the basic six primal emotions. So happiness, sadness, fear, anger, surprise, and disgust, which um, human beings and many animals have, but then other emotions that are the result of, of thought, like pride and... Um, um, oh, um, honour and... Um, um, I forget the ones that Daniel Goleman has uh, pointed out as um, sort of the higher emotions as opposed to basic emotions um, that come from thinking and reflecting and uh, um, faith and things like this. Like we're the only um, animal or mammal which is actually aware of our thoughts. Well, like I mean, we're as far as like we're aware of the thoughts mm. that we have. Some people. <laughs> you can be aware of your thoughts. It's, it's awareness. Yes, yes. So a, a self-awareness. So more of a sense of self-awareness and therefore uh, the ability to reflect on things in a more conscious way. So remember what was happening last week and what you did then and, and what worked, what didn't work and what would be the best... Uh, way to deal with that situation now. Uh, so animals generally don't have that 
that reflective ability as much. They can do things, and maybe they've done it before, but it's often a type of learned behavior, stimulus response type of situation. They talk, like in Buddhism, a lot about uh, the non-attachment of thoughts, or just non-attachment of, of things. Mm, mm. So, like the Buddhist is saying to be non-attached to thoughts, then what is it that hooks us into those thoughts? So, generally, it's a, a lot of conditioning. Conditioning and, and also uh, often the three, the three ills. So, fundamental... Um, greed or desire, um, fundamental um, anger, aversion, and also fundamental uh, ignorance uh, and ignoring or a misperception of, of the reality or truth. Three ills. So there is a, the ability to, yes, think, but um, we can evolve beyond just thinking and also beyond just the, the basic um, skill of using thought to a certain degree to get by and that's where the Buddha said that we are the unfinished creature. There is more evolving, not just as a collective, but the individual person has more evolving, growing to do in the context of their life. And again, not just just to the, through the process of maturation as you get older, you, you know, just generally learn some stuff, but actually um, the possibility of, of developing the, the brain, the mind, through, through especially meditation. So, John, would you say then the greatest opportunity for living thought-free, as to the extent that you can, other than meditation, is living in the present moment, within your senses, and experiencing now? Uh, to some degree, because um, <clears throat> it's also important to reflect upon the past and to consider and plan for the future. But uh, primarily to spend more time being conscious of what is now. And, and in reality, there is only now. So a thought about the past, as in a memory, is only a mental movement happening in the mind in the present. A thought about the future is just a mental movement happening in the mind in the present. But they appear to be of a different time, but there is only just always now, always now. Uh, so it's about the the right skillful use of the concept of the past, the concept of the future, for the purpose of uh, more conscious living mindfully in, uh, in the present. And again, it's not about always, like no thought at all, it's about the right use of thought. In the same way that I speak about the right use of the, the mobile phone, phones are really helpful. They're really helpful for, for communicating, but we also need to know how to use them rightly Otherwise, you bump into telegraph poles, or you walk out on the road using the phone and uh, not seeing what's coming. So, which which does happen. So, it's developing the the right skillful use of the phone or of thought or of the self as part of um, the evolution of uh, being a human being. But I think that uh, certainly we've got to a point in the history of our humanity where this becomes really really important because probably at no other time in the history of humanity are we exposed to so much, so much information happening um, right now from almost anywhere around the world, anywhere around the world, um, and lots of information, and it just can cause overload for, for the mind. There's not, 
that in a way even the brain hasn't developed enough to be able to accommodate all of that and use it skillfully to have the these filters to filter out stuff so it's just input 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 leading to overwhelm leading to actually missing out on really directly experiencing life as in really seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting and touching and feeling and knowing because there's so much thought happening getting in the way causing people to be living their life not just days but even weeks ahead of themselves uh, and really missing out on connecting connecting to life connecting to each other um, sure you know maybe I can connect on my phone to somebody but to actually listen to really see somebody their partner to see their child to to listen to their partner and really understand and connect and, and that's leading to so many issues in relationship because people are not um, not even just not wanting, but they, they find it difficult. They can't, they can't just listen because there's so many thoughts happening in their, in their minds. The thoughts of all day, yesterday, tomorrow, last week, just happening, 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 worrying thoughts, sometimes negative thoughts. And their, their partner or child might be saying something, explaining something. Yes, dear, got it, sure, sure. And later on, why didn't you do what I asked you to pick up the kid? You said you, you heard me. I, well, actually, I didn't. There was so many thoughts happening. <laughs> so where's the kid now? Probably still at school, but it's five o'clock. <laughs> so it happens because we're not really listening uh, because there's too many thoughts happening. So that's why it becomes really, really important, even imperative, to to develop this skill to uh, um, reduce and then pause the thoughts. And meditation certainly is a, a profound avenue to that. The off button, or at least uh, the um, turn down the volume, flight mode. <laughs> certainly, um, I think that uh, uh, that's, that's a lot of the issue. Uh, probably in time, the hardware, the brain will, will modify and adapt, but there's the technology and information is happening so fast that especially in the last, the last 20 years, even the last 10 years, that, that people can't cope with it. It's, it's really leading to, to overload. And certainly in the domain of um, psychology and uh, clinical psychology, that um, you know, we're seeing the, the consequences of this in, in, in all, all varieties, um, even, even into physical illnesses that are occurring because people are just so mentally overwhelmed, their bodies are getting run down and they're getting sick in, in various ways. The human brain has amazing capacity, uh, amazing abilities, but um, uh, we haven't engaged them or, or we have lost some of them. So that um, um, understand the neuroscience understanding of the, the brain and the mind can certainly help us in this area. Uh, and especially studies show that uh, the more people practice mindfulness, it enhances neuroplasticity and the brain becomes more malleable to change and modify, learn and grow um, quicker. So that becomes important for that. In many ways, the, uh, the, Buddhist, uh, the Buddhist wisdom uh, is really, really helpful to um, emphasize, emphasize um, uh, wise understanding and wise reflection, wise contemplation, and then the proper the proper use of thought, 
and, and certainly being able to use thought for question, for questioning. So not just taking for granted or accepting, but, but really questioning. And the Buddha really pointed out the importance of, of um, not accepting things, not accepting information. Uh, the Kalama Sutta is a really important discourse about um, um, why one shouldn't accept certain information, but how to question and ponder and consider. And certainly what we, what we know of um, ourself, the self, what we know of <coughs> others, what we know of the world, what we know of existence and reality really only is limited by where we cease to question. So questioning becomes really, really important, and, and obviously thought is important for that, that questioning. Now, why is it so? Does it have to be this way? How has it come to be? What is possible? Etc. Is this, is this wholesome? Is this healthy? Um, is this worthwhile? Uh, what are the, what's the, the downside of this? How will this be in tomorrow or next week or next year or in 10 years' time or or in hundred years' time, is this decision right? What will it lead to? How has this been used in the past? So, really important questions that that um, are orientated from wisdom, um, for wisdom, um, enhancing wisdom into life. The wiser we become, the wiser the questions we ask. So, so it in, increases ease and joy and meaning and worth and freedom, as opposed to um, causing more confusion. Well, they say in, um, if anyone's done any yoga, they say that um, we're all becoming uh, like shallow breathers because they're, you know, they're thinking too much and mm. we're not uh, doing deep breathing and the lack of deep mm. breathing uh, you know, can starve the brain of oxygen, which can create uh, anxiety. And That's so right, forth. yeah. You're not doing enough air circulating mm. around the brain, which causes distress and mm. frustration. So that all the, you know, if you go and do yoga, all the, the teachers say, well, it's you need to stop and you need to breathe mm. more and mm. practice slow, mm. long, deep breaths. Mm. And that's, you know, it can be a huge, it's a simple thing, just like that can be a simple, a huge sort of um, solution. That's right, yes. And because um, breathing doesn't require thinking, and, but, and certainly being mindful and aware of, of the breath, but no thought needs to occur. And uh, the, the shallow breathing, the lack of breathing, has also been linked to ADD and ADHD as well. Tanya, do, do you have any comment about um, um, the uh, stress of overthinking and uh, the psychological impact on people regarding that? I suppose what comes to mind today, there's so much about mm. it, but what um, uh, their thoughts are, can be seductive. They seduce our attention and they take us away from the body where we are living. And the brain is an organ, like any other organ, part of the whole structure of the body. and by unwholesome thinking, I think what you're talking about is that seductive, automatic, useless thinking that mm. can absorb us and take us away from the whole experience of living. And mm. breathing is part of that, is 
we sort of forget to breathe mm. because we're so seduced by thinking. So that's where right thinking and no thinking is is putting it into, mm. a, into mm. a different perspective. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And um, that leads to the appreciation that the, the real addiction of our society is not so much to a substance but to actually thought, mm. where people find that they they can't stop thinking. But um, when thinking slows down and stops, then a lot of the other issues that maybe people are engaging um, in addictive behavior for as a distraction from their from their crazy thoughts and distressing thoughts but and overwhelm. Do people want to stop? Mm. They want to stop. That's yep. why, you know, drugs and other stuff yep. is, is coming to picture. Yep. There is like the instinctive knowing that it's it's too much. It's mm. not working. Mm. It's not useful. Lay off. Give, give me some space. So going to the the and root yeah. of um, allowing then the the not thinking, then a lot of the other issues just fall away. Yeah. And even in, a, in that spiritual context that I was talking about, the whole um, this, the distress into life, which is always based in self, um, when self stops, then all, all the other issues of self fall away as well, at least for that time, or can be then seen through. So the, the most profound spiritual practice is, is a practice of, especially meditation, that allows then the no thought and then the perception of, re of reality or the revealing of reality beyond the self that creates this whole sort of seeming, seeming appearance of things. Me in my life, life is happening to me. But in reality, life is not happening to me. Life is simply happening. And the thoughts fundamentally aren't bad. It's the misuse of them. Thinking, as Shakespeare says, the thinking is neither or how is it? Um, things are neither things are neither good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So it's the the actual thinking about something in a particular way that that creates the problem. Thinking is just just thinking. The same way that we sit meditation, a thought comes up. It's just a thought. It may be, if we look at it, that's a terrible thought. But fundamentally, it's just a thought. And the thought might be just a a collection of um, five words. Might be two or three sentences. That's all it is. But we go, oh, that's a horrible thought. What a base thought. What a uh, hurtful thought. But fundamentally, it's just, just some words in the mind happening or a mental image. I think it's the obsessiveness of the thinking as well. Obsessing over the one thought or the one mm. type of worry or you know, rather than thinking about something new. Mm. Mm. So obsessive, compulsive thinking is yep. about just that, that same worry and that's mm. when it, the letting go and... The mindfulness, just letting mm. go of that one particular mm. thought is helpful. Again, which is a skill that is developed through meditation, the ability to, to let go, the mind letting go of being identified with or as or through that particular thought. Developing that mind muscle to let go. It's a good idea if we all go on a retreat for a little while and not, not hear any news and mm. just be very quiet <laughs> and peaceful. Self would hate that. <laughs> Self would starve. <laughs> a bit like you were asking earlier about uh, one meal a day for the body, but um, you know, the real hunger is is, is um, self um, being hungry after more juicy thoughts.
That's, that's the real renunciation. Self loves um, juicy thoughts and uh, um, will even seek you know, more and more juicy thoughts. The idea that we are, or the self is what it eats, you are what you eat, not just physically, but, but the, the self is the particular thought diet that it consumes. So people might come into my, my room and I say, how are you feeling today? And they might say, I feel like shit. I say, what have you been eating? And they say, I've been eating resentment all week. <laughs> no wonder you feel like shit. You've been eating resentment. That's horrible thoughts. So that becomes that becomes the thought mache, not so much paper mache, but thought mache mask, as in persona, the word, the Greek word for mask or self, that the mind is wearing. So um, putting the self on a on a thought diet can then modify the form and shape of, uh, of the self. Some people have really obese selves. They're full of, been eating lots of bad, bad junk food thoughts <laughs> for the mind. Uh, so that's, that's sort of uh, what can occur to uh, put, the, put the self on a, on a thought diet and change the shape and form of how the self is functioning into life. It's like uh, I say to people, worrying is a waste of time, waste of time and energy. Because worrying is, is thinking based in the emotion of fear, and the biochemicals of fear aren't helpful for the body, and the, that mindset of fear doesn't help for clarity and creativity and ideas and options. It's just caught up in this fear manifesting as worry. Uh, so it's a waste of time, waste of energy, and it's better to go, okay, um, put that aside. I'll come back and look at that particular issue with a uh, um, conscious concern, a considered concern, a healthy concern, as opposed to worry. It's a wise concern, and then reflect upon options and possibilities, and and um, see what can be done. But worry can often become just a, another self-indulgence, mm -hmm. and even use thought to get beyond thought. That's another thing. Often the in Zen Buddhism, the use of a, a koan, um, a nonsense riddle to uh, um, confuse the rational mind um, to, to stop thinking. Because there's no rational, logical answer for the, the, the koan or the question that's been asked. And so the mind just stops. Whilst this whole mindfulness movement is gaining momentum, um, fine, but also we need to be reminded of um, where the Buddha said the importance of sama sati, sati the word for mindfulness. So generally it's always used with a, with a prefix, sama, right, wholesome, wise, mindfulness, or, or otherwise um, um, sati panya, so mindfulness and wisdom. Um, sati sampajanya, mindfulness and wise uh, investigation or reflection. So it's not just mindfulness because that can be used wrongly, like thought can be used wrongly. So the importance of uh, mindfulness being used wisely and especially um, uh, in a more of a, a larger psychological, psychospiritual context. And certainly for your, for your um, um, distressed, depressed person, that's where even having a break from all that, that stimulation, uh, which is often just the normal, the norm for most people, and that's where um, getting onto a, ret a retreat, or at least coming to a situation like this, where 
where there aren't any screens happening as a bit of a reprieve or break. So uh, do give consideration to the four miracles, the miracle of life, the miracle of uh, thought, the mir miracle of uh, right thoughts, and the miracle of uh, no thought. So um, make use of those. Have a good week and see you next time. That's all for this episode. Until next time, head over to wellawareness.com.au and discover what's on offer to relieve stress and suffering and enhance your health and well-being. From one-on-one -on -one counselling related to many issues facing individuals in today's modern world to meditation courses and retreats.